So we're still in the same verse. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> You're going to get sermon number, I don't know, four or five. I can't quite get past it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I've mentioned recently, I don't know if it was Sunday morning or not, that I have a tendency to write in my Bible. I think that's a fine tradition if you so choose. It's fine to not do that as well. These are things I circled and numbered many, many years ago. I don't even, I don't even know when it would have been. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And I wrote to the side, these are church activities. And of course, as I've mentioned, if you skip down to the end of this chapter... It says, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such that should be saved. These are historical accounts and I think good things for us to practice. That we should be engaged as a body of believers in these things. We should do them continuously, steadfastly, with purpose over and over again. We should be concerning ourselves with doctrine. We talked about last week. And fellowship, which we talked about for at least two weeks before, and breaking of bread, which if all things go according to plan, we'll talk about next Sunday. And today I want to talk about prayer. Interesting, as many of you know, I I tend to keep a little preaching journal, if you will, and I thought, well, surely I've talked about prayer before. I haven't, so I have my apologies. (laughs) And just like with doctrine, this could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. There's probably not a real place. Uh, it's difficult to know where to start. and It's certainly difficult to know where to end when we talk about prayer. And so this is just going to be uh, one today, and we certainly should investigate this more in the future. Prayer is communicating with God. That should give us some pause. We should kind of pause and think about that. I read with the younger folks this morning an example where the scripture was more or less mocking false gods and saying they can't hear you, they can't respond to you. We have a living God, a God who wants us to communicate with Him, a God who physically made and designed us and imparted enough of Him enough of His character, enough of His personality in us that we might have an actual relationship with the God who made everything. In other words, we don't worship something that is dead. We don't worship something that is holy and mighty to such a degree and has no interest in who we are, but we worship a God who is all-powerful and almighty and all-knowing who still desires to know us, and that requires that we communicate with Him. Think about that. Next time you see a beautiful sunrise or an amazing vista, or a small child who's born, or something that makes you stand back and go, wow. God, the author of all of that, wants us to 
talk with him. Man. Prayer is also an act of obedience. You turn over to Philippians 4, Philippians 4, and you can slide one of your nice new bookmarks in there if you want, and if you still need one, let me know. Philippians 4, we may come back here once or twice more. I want to start with verse 4 in Philippians. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We're not supposed to worry and have great amount of concern in things, but in everything, the little things, the big things, the important things, the insignificant things, everything we are to pray, that means speak and commune with God about. Everything by prayer and supplication. And we are to give thanksgiving. We are to let our requests be made known unto God. And so when we think about prayer and what it is, yes, it's communicating with God. Yes, He designed it so that we can communicate with Him. Yes, He desires us to communicate with Him, but we are to be obedient to actually pray and communicate. And if we are not praying to God, then we are being disobedient. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Prayer is also an act of worship. Prayer is something we do with God, something to God, a way that we communicate with Him, and it is a very act of worshiping, giving Him adoration and praise of who He is. Prayer is the way that we learn what God wants for us. Debated about doing this, but there's a current... I'd say trend, uh, popularity with uh, meditation. And I don't want to go into all what meditation is, but meditation and prayer are not the same thing. Meditation is perfectly fine in and of itself, that you quiet your mind and try to relax and, and think through things and whatnot. But meditation can certainly go too far. Meditation is not the same thing. It's the act of trying to empty your mind, where prayer is the act of trying to fill your mind with God. And so when people talk about this, let's make sure we don't confuse the two things. And again, I'm not saying we should never meditate, never have times where we sit in silence and try to clear our minds. But it's not the same thing as prayer. Prayer is how we overcome temptation. Anybody here been tempted recently? I'll confess that the times that I am tempted, it sure seems to be the furthest thing from my mind, perhaps because I'm embarrassed, perhaps because somehow I think that I should be above the temptations that the world wants to throw to me. But we see time and time again that the answer to temptation is what? Is prayer. We see when Christ himself was tempted, he did what? He prayed. He knew and quoted the scripture. And so at our most difficult times in life, when we are uh, dealing with temptation or dealing with something, we should be in prayer. Prayer is also how we obtain strength. Prayer is how we obtain strength. 
Not necessarily physically, but spiritually. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. The first part is very familiar. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You all do a good job of that last part. Sometimes I even feel a little awkward because you will say it so often. Let's pray for our pastor. Let's remember our pastor. But you can't pray for me enough. And I appreciate it. Pray that I would do what this says. Boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. But we should be praying at all times. And it is, in fact, what gives us our strength and our courage. It's what builds us up spiritually so that we can persevere through what is a very, very, and sometimes incredibly difficult life. We should be about prayer. And I want to remind us that prayer is something that Christ did a lot. In fact, I didn't even pick a verse because he does it so much. And we think about this and we think about how Christ and we're reminded of who he was. Again, going back to very important foundational doctrines that I mentioned last week. Christ was both fully God and fully man. There's part of that mystery in the verse we just read in Ephesians trying to wrap our head around and understand that, that he was God and he was man. He was God in human form. And thus, not only did he do things for us to follow and to emulate as examples, he also did the things that are absolutely necessary as a human being to do. For example, he ate food because he had to live because he could die, you see. But what I'm talking about this morning is he prayed. Why? Because he had to. Because he had to commune with his father. I've read the verse that talks about how Jesus Christ himself said, I do what the, I see the father doing. He had to have times that he pulled away from everyone else and he had to go seek the father's will. He had to be told what to do and he was told that through prayer. He had to receive strength and encouragement when he was worn down physically from all of the people clamoring around begging to be healed. He had to withdraw and build himself up when the disciples wanted to argue about who was the most important. He had to do these things. He had to be uh, fasting and praying before he was tempted in the wilderness and while he was tempted in the wilderness. And time and time again, we see over and over again that Jesus Christ would pull away and he would privately pray. We also see times that he would publicly pray. Prayer was always something that he was doing. And not only because it is an example of how we should live, but because it is the truth that all of us in this body, separated from the Lord, must pray. We must be obedient. We must seek him for strength, as I just said. We must seek him for guidance. It is an act of worship. It is all these things I've just said. And so we begin to see how important this is. 
boy, is it easy to neglect. I read somewhere in preparing for this. I didn't look to see who said it first. It doesn't really matter. I don't, just don't want you to think I'm the one who said this. <laughs> prayer, is like, prayer should be like breathing. Easier to do than not. You think about that, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? We breathe just automatically, in and out, whether we think about it or not. And if we try to not breathe, it's not a great experience. Prayer should be the same way. So let me talk about prayer for a little bit more. Ask some general questions. How should we pray? Should we pray out loud? Or should we be silent? Should we be loud or soft if we pray out loud? How should we position our bodies? Should we kneel? Should we stand? Can we pray when we sit? What about when we lay down? Now, here's a question that'll get lots of good churchgoers in trouble. What should we do with our hands? Uh-oh. Should we put them in our pockets like most of us conservative Southern Baptists do? Should we have them down to our sides? Should we fold them? Should we raise them? How long should our prayers be? Is there a too short of a prayer? Is there too long? Where should we pray? What about in your pew? What about your car? Should we do it down here at this altar? What time should we pray? Should we do it in the morning? At lunch? Over food? What about in the evening? Should we do it in private? Or public? Are there certain words that we're supposed to say? I think some of you are smiling. You see where I'm going with this. The answer to all that is yes. I'll just mention this one more time. Well, I'm not going to promise I'll only mention it one more time. But I'm going to mention this again. One of the greatest influences that I had on my life was a man who challenged me to simply pray to God the same way that I talk to another person. Just to have a conversation. And I don't know, I'm sure I'd heard that before in my life, but at around 17 years old, when he challenged me on this, I thought, you know, I've never, I don't, I don't really do that. I should try. And I did that night. I was laying down, if it matters, in my bed. And I just talked to God. And it felt a little funny at first. I just talked like I'm talking to you now. I told him about my day, which you already knew about. Then I thought that was funny, so I laughed at myself. We just talked. And it was great. And you know what happened the next day? I don't remember, but it was a good day. I thought that worked pretty well. I'm going to do that again. I did it again. And again. And again. And you know what happened in a few weeks? What happened in a few weeks is God used that man 
to encourage me to pray. And I did, and I began to read the Scriptures. And within about a month or so, God revealed to me one night that I didn't actually know Him. And I think praying to God was an important part of getting me to that point where I finally recognized I don't know Him like I think I do. So should we be silent or out loud? I don't think it matters. I'm sure everyone here has silently whispered a prayer. And I'm sure everyone here has prayed out loud at times. What's our position? How should that be? Well, just in case you were curious, I'm not going to cite scriptures, but I have scriptures to support this. Moses and Aaron and Ezekiel fell face down and prayed. Laying flat on their stomach, face down before God. The Levites were in at least two places instructed to stand and pray. David sat before the Lord and prayed. Jesus lifted up his eyes. Paul told us to pray, lifting up holy hands. The posture you are in physically has not a thing to do with prayer. The posture that your heart is in has everything to do with it. We will at times pray standing. We will pray kneeling. We will pray, pray flat out on our face. We will pray laying on our backs. We will pray with hands lifted or hands in our pockets or hands folded, hand, head bowed, head looking up. It does not matter. But the one thing that is essential is that your heart is not high and lifted up to God, that your heart, that you come humbly before God seeking after him. And aren't you thankful that you don't have to pray a certain way? Aren't you thankful that the scripture doesn't say that we have to face a certain direction and bow down? Because that would be difficult to do some days. How long does it have to be? Well, scripture says we should pray without ceasing, so that's a really long prayer. But my point is this, there are times in life and those of you who have more than just a few years of experience will 100% agree with me when all we can have time to do is just say something simple like, Lord, help. And he hears that just as well as he hears a long prayer. And there are times that the Spirit is with us. And brothers and sisters, we can pray and pray and pray till our knees hurt or pray till we don't know what to pray for. And we realize we've been in prayer for hours or minutes or however long it is. And that's okay too. What about our location? I do want to talk about that for a minute. I'm sorry, this may be a few minutes longer than I thought it would be. And I'm only sorry because we got a business meeting after. So I'm not really sorry about the preaching. So don't, get, don't, come, don't come back and tell me, you know, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Where are we supposed to pray? Anywhere we find ourselves. That's the really short answer. But you know what? There may be times and there are certain places that are more special for us to pray. And that's good too. The Bible talks about there being like a prayer closet 
And it gives us examples of people who shut themselves away so that they could pray. And you don't have to pray in your closet. I've done that more than one occasion. But the point is, we should find a place and a circumstance that is helpful for us to clear our mind, not meditate, but clear our mind and focus on Him, to pray with Him, and to be at one with Him. That can happen almost anywhere. I was, as I mentioned a moment ago, saved after having left the church service and walked a short distance away in some open grassy field area. And I was on my knees. Some of you were saved in your pews, weren't you? Some of you were saved at an altar. That's what I want to talk about for just a second. I We have a, a, a practice, a tradition here. Again, going back to doctrine, it's not biblical. Careful. Not unbiblical. You don't have to come down here to get saved, and many of you have not been saved. You don't have to come down to this front and pray, but many of you have. So why do we do it? Why would we stand up in front of everybody? Oh, it's embarrassing, isn't it? And walk down here to pray. What will others think of me? They might think I've really done something wrong and I have to be real serious about prayer. Please. I don't think anyone here will think that. I'll tell you what they will think. Someone's serious. They have a burden. And they're willing to go before God and to pray for it. And you're not less, and God will not answer your prayer any less if you silently whisper a prayer in the back, or if you come down here and kneel, or you come down here and stand. But brothers and sisters, those of you who have done it will testify, I think, that you can find tremendous power in going before God in some type of fashion and letting Him know just how serious you are. And sometimes we need to grab somebody's hand and take them with us. Whether because you need to pray for them or you want them to pray for you. This is a place to pray. His house is a place to pray. And brothers and sisters, at any moment when you feel so led, you are free to come and to pray right down here. And sometimes it's very, very helpful. So location, it can be helpful, but it's not crucial. Timing, when do we pray? All the time. Should we pray in the morning? Yes. Should we pray when we have food? Yeah. Should we pray before the service, during the service, after the service? Yes. Should we do it privately? Yes. Should we do it publicly? Apparently, yes. And what words do we have to say? I'll talk about this for just a second. There is no pattern that we have to follow. Again, we can literally utter the words, God, help. Lord, help. You know. And other times we talk, as I mentioned before, we just, we just talk. And other times we don't know what to say, we'll repeat a psalm or a proverb. Or we'll repeat the Lord's prayer that He gave us. But brothers and sisters, there is no magic word, no magic groups of words that will get you what you need or relieve you. 
And so there's no sense in maybe just repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again, thinking that the more that you do that every time you count, the more it's like depositing money in a bank. It doesn't work that way. Our hearts should be honest and open before God when we pray. Remember this. Never forget this. He already knows. If you're too embarrassed to pray for something, he already knows what you think you're embarrassed about. So why not just say it? Let him teach you rather than yourself. If you think this seems too inconsequential, do you think anything's too small for God to care about? If he knows how many hairs you have on your head, do you think he thinks, well, that that prayer doesn't matter? You know what? If it's important to you, it's important to him. And if it's not that important, he'll show you. And that can be very beneficial. Be honest. Psalms 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And I think this means, brothers and sisters, when we come to God with a pure heart, with a heart that's humble, seeking after him, he's never going to turn us away. He's never going to tell us, oh, you should never have brought that up. You should never pray for this. If you come to him honestly, seeking him, he will take that every time and he will work in your life. So more important than where we are or how we do it or when we do it or what we do with our hands or whether we look up or down or close our eyes or open them, we should be praying without ceasing. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20, going back to the discussion we had about fellowship, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are things we should be doing. And to quote one of my favorite authors, Mr. Tozer, the goal of every Christian should be to live in a state of unbroken worship. The goal of every Christian should be to live in a state of unbroken worship. Why have I failed at that one? So let's briefly talk about some ways that we're hindered in prayer. And we'll come to a conclusion. Conclusion. What keeps us from doing proper prayer? Well, first is unconfessed sins. Isaiah 59 and 2 gives us a very clear warning. Isaiah 59 and 2. But your inequities, your sin, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. i read that again. But your inequities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, who's responsible for this? I am. That's me. 
When I allow my life to be filled with sin that is unconfessed, sin that is serious sin, sin that is repeating over and over again, what ends up happening is it's like building up a wall between me and God. And my prayers seem to not be able to like penetrate that. You ever experienced this? If we allow this to happen, it is difficult, difficult. And the longer we let it go on and it festers more and more, it is even more difficult not only to speak to God, but certainly to hear what he has to say. Now, God is always the aggrieved party, but we're the ones who leave. I've said something like that probably since I got here. We're the ones that walk away. And the reality of this is, this is why I said unconfessed sin, because if we would repent and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. And that relationship in prayer is restored. We're just too stubborn to do it sometimes, aren't we? Another way that we struggle with our prayer life is we're living according to the flesh. And just so you know, I'll talk about those who aren't saved here in a minute, but I'm talking about those of us who are saved. Just, I don't want anyone to sit here and think, well, I, I, I'm good. Living according to the flesh. Our old self controls us way too often. Our attitudes, our motives, our thoughts. We're fighting with our sinful nature all the time. And when we allow it to win and all we want to focus on is living according to what feels good or what we want or what we want to do. And we're never consulting with God about what we should be doing. We're never spending time worshiping him and praying to him as we continue to live for ourselves. I think our prayers begin to suffer. Closely related to this is an idea of selfishness. First John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, He will give it to us. Some of you looked up. I left something out. Let me read it correctly. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will... He hears us. Don't we kind of like it the first way? Just ask anything that we want. He'll give it to us. He'll hear us. The reality is this. We're really selfish people. Our fallen nature is very selfish. And so we tend to only pray about what? The things that we want. But if prayer is communicating with God, then we should communicate with him about what? Everything. Of course, the things that we want. God told us we should pray to him and ask for the things that we want and we need. Our father knows what we need. He knows what we want. And it's important to him. But brothers and sisters, if we only pray for what we want, we are being selfish. Yet not my will, but yours be done. James 4 and 3 says, When you asked... When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives or you ask amiss, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Whew. 
Some of us have a hard time in prayer because we fail to forgive someone who's offended us. We could look at that for a long time, but we see the example of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. Some of us have held up things in our lives that we are refusing to forgive someone else over, and it can certainly impact our prayer life. What about unbelief in your prayers? Unbelief. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. We should not pray doubting what will happen. And that is really hard. It's really hard. But when we doubt what will happen, we're really doubting who? God. We should come with confidence, come with understanding, come with purpose, and come, as it says, with boldness to the throne of God, making our requests known unto Him. We must believe that they will happen. But when he asks, says James 1, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. I got two more. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is a hard one. 1 Peter 3, 7. Conflict at home. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you to the, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. How do you like that one, husbands? How do you apply that, women? How do you apply that with your families and your loved ones? What can hinder our prayers? Conflict. You need to be very careful about this. And then lastly, perhaps the thing that impacts prayer the most is active rebellion. Well, who are we rebelling against? Well, we're rebelling against God. Now, there's a couple ways that this can happen. Active rebellion can be, you know that you must stop behaving in a certain way or doing a certain thing, and you fail to do it. You continue to do it, despite the fact that you know God has told you to stop. That goes back to that sin thing, really actively rebelling, not just, man, I failed again and I do okay for a while, but actively engaging in choices and behaviors that you know are wrong is an open affront and rebellion to God. Now, there's another side of this that we don't like to talk about very much. You can be rebellious if you actively don't do what God told you to do. 
God told me to pastor this church. And until he tells me otherwise, what am I going to do? Do my best to pastor this church. And if I fail to do that, then I am an active rebellion against God. And you think my prayers are going to go very far? And how we phrase it? No. If God is telling you or commanding you to do something, you had better be about doing it. If God is commanding or telling you to stop doing something, you had better stop. But here's where I want to really talk for a minute as we close. Do you know who else is an active rebellion? Those who've never put their faith in him the first time. That's what the scripture says. We use words like lost. We use words like sinners. We use words like unsaved. But the reality and full revelation of it is, until you repent and come to God and receive His forgiveness, you are in active, daily, moment-by-moment rebellion to God. You are, in fact, fighting against Him, and you are God's enemy. Does that mean you give up praying? Well, no. Because prayer to God, the confession of your sin to Him, and the request for Him to forgive you is the only way to be saved. And so by all means, you should continue in prayer. You should learn what it's like. You should follow the example, I guess, of what I did. Continue to pray, continue to pray, until God reveals to you that you are utterly helpless, that you are in a rebellion against Him, and then beg Him for forgiveness. That is the path to salvation. And until you are there and God has forgiven you, you are in active, open rebellion against God. So what's the remedy? We pray. We confess. We repent. That works for salvation. We all went through that. All of us who know the name of the Lord and all of us who are known by God have at some point prayed, we've confessed, we've repented, and received salvation. And all of us who since then have gone on the wrong path, who have found ourselves in sin, who have found ourselves being selfish, who have been hurt in some way, who have either not done what we should have done, or doing the things that we shouldn't have done, we have followed that same pattern in prayer of confession and repentance, and God will restore to us the joy of our salvation. Prayer is vital. It is central to everything that we do. It is our way to commune with the God who made us. Wow. What an opportunity that we often waste. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, we can do that on our knees. We can do that in our pews. We can do it at an altar. We can do it very short amount of time. It didn't take me very long. That first time, it didn't take me very long. Some of you, it took a long time. 
We can do it at home. We can do it in a car. For wherever God knocks on your door, we must respond. And importantly, and I think this is why this is listed in in Acts, I think many times we should do it together. Was there not power a few weeks ago when we were all here together? Could you not experience the love of God in a way that was different? Do we always come together and pray as one group? No, that's okay too. But understand that this is listed as something that we do together. We praise God. We uh, continued steadfastly in the doctrine, which is what you're getting now. In fellowship, which is what we did a few minutes ago and we'll do at the conclusion. In breaking of bread, which is what we're going to do next Sunday. And in prayers, there is times, there are important times that we pray together, that we call or text and say, I need you to pray for me even though you can't physically be here. I need you to pray with me. So let us never be so concerned and so scared and so broken that we're not willing to pray with each other. Because that's what God tells us to do and to pray for each other. So let's have a time <laughs> to pray. Let's have a hymn, a time to pray to God. And you know what? Maybe today, Judy, if you don't care, and I appreciate your, your servant's heart. How about you just come play us something? And rather than sing something, rather than distract ourselves today with words which are, pray- which are prayers and all in good purpose, let us just legitimately pray. And I'm not trying to work anything up. I don't care if you come down here and pray. I don't care if you say at your seat. I don't care if you go sit next to someone. I don't care if you do it out loud or silent, whether you raise your hands or keep them in the pockets, whether you look up or look down. I don't care what you do. Just pray to God. Confess any sin that you have in your life. Forgive those that you're holding grudges against. And seek Him first and foremost. If you need to be saved, then you need to pray about that. If you have been saved, then you need to pray for those who aren't saved. If you're going through a hard time, then you need to pray and ask God for help. Tell Him what you're feeling. Tell Him what you're thinking. And if you're going through an okay time, then you need to pray for somebody else who isn't. This is how the world will know who we are because we fellowship with each other, because we love each other, because we pray for each other, because we can talk to God and He hears us. So let's take a few minutes. Judy, please.